<laughs> like you said, game face is on. And welcome everyone to season two, episode eight of Asteroids in Exile. Hello, or, as we also say. <laughs> as we also say. As we also say, episode what? What do we know? Uh, Seventeen. Seventeen. Total. There you go. Hi, Martin. How are you? Hi, Nif. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing awesome, thank you. <laughs> got my coffee, all good to go. <laughs> so we've got a lot to get through today because it's been a while since our last episode, I think. Yeah, and I have no well, idea how a, long it's been. It's been busy times for both of us. It, it's been a very busy couple of weeks. So I uh, I have moved apartments. I sprained my ankle. It, Yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> you can imagine. What about you? And, 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 and you've been, uh, once again, preparing for... Your parental phase. I've been taking a, a introductory class for the birthing process and everything that follows after it for the first few weeks of this new life that we force into the world. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what we were talking about before, and I think interesting, is seeing your perspective change on uh, yeah on, on things around you as you get ready for that next phase. So yeah, we'll... it's a a. A sad, a sad thing. <laughs> Lots of oh, tears. Why, why is it sad? Because you have to finally grow up. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm still stuck in that Peter Pan phase. It's like, <laughs> I refuse to grow up, and you can't make me. <laughs> yeah, but I have no crocodile. That well, the crocodile should eat me because my son gets to be Peter Pan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it actually, I was. You know, we didn't plan to talk about Peter Pan, obviously, but I really love the whole idea of the crocodile with the clock. And time passing, and the fact that Peter doesn't want to grow up, and Captain Hook is like plagued by this crocodile with a with a constant reminder of time passing. I would love to discuss like what that the meaning behind all of that because it, it's always been fascinating to me. But anyway, maybe that I can never, save that for a future episode. I have never thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, there's something there. I haven't really spent all that much time thinking about it, and I don't actually don't know the Peter Pan story all that well, except for the fact that he's the boy that refuses to grow up. Yep. But I'm sure there's some sort of analogy or something yeah, to the- about that, you know? We just have to wait for the next really good Peter Pan movie to come out, then we can review it and have that discussion. Yeah, like the real life, <laughs> at the, uh, the, the, the live action adaption that comes out in yeah. Disney craze right now, now that Pinocchio has lost its director. Yeah. Hold on. Really? Story. Yeah. I didn't even know that they were doing a Pinocchio. I know they're doing Lion King, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting, especially with the cast. Yeah. Oh man, you put Beyonce's in there. I'm like, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> should put a ring on it then. <laughs> you should, yeah, you should see. You should see Martin's face right now. It's <laughs> Maybe I will, Martin. Maybe I will. So um, our key um, key big topics for today is going to be Thor Ragnarok. So discussion on that one. And uh, Martin and I have both seen Thor Ragnarok. We have, yeah. And um, then Justice League. Which only I have seen. Yeah. So, yeah. So those will be non-spoilery reviews, both of them. Both of them. Okay. But if if we go into spoiler territory, I guess we'll give you a warning. So. Of course, we'll do our best. Yeah, I'll try not to spoil Justice League for Martin. Although I think he's already had a pre pre spoiler. Uh, yeah. anyway, so. <laughs> I already know about those two scenes at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So where we'll start though is just with trailers and news. Um, and then we'll get to Justice League in about maybe 30 minutes, 30 minutes depending yeah. on how, how things go. So we'll set the timer for that. Cool. So trailers, what's been going on? There's been a few things dropped. Yeah, we got a new trailer or the, the first first regular trailer for the Black Panther movie coming out in February next year. Yeah. I mean, it feels like so far away, but it's so close, right? I mean, 
It is. It's only a couple of months yeah. away now. It's three months. It's the fact that you know? this year is over. Yeah. Um, My son's yeah, going to but- be already here when, when Black Panther hits. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> going to be the White You're Panther. Gonna- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You're> gonna be- <laughs> <laughs> That's why people tune in them. Yeah, <laughs> the humor. Oh, our uh, awesome jokes. So what did you think of the Black Panther th- trailer? Uh, I like the teaser more, to be honest. I thought that... Me too. Yeah. yeah. Trailer seems very, very formulaic. I don't like the music. I like the song more from the teaser. I think that was by uh, Ronda Jules. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But nonetheless, awesome visuals. How's it called? Andy Serkis gets to talk, to talk a bit. To- you see him as a human being. I know. He's, without he gets an actual human part for a change. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I liked the trailer. I thought the teaser was a lot better and it's only because I think just the editing and the cut was a, was a lot better. I also thought that with this trailer, they just gave away too much. Like yeah. the fact that you're going to have two panther suits, maybe one of them's like a, it's like, it's not a panther. It's like a yellow jaguar or something. Yeah. Do you know what the, what the, what the character is uh, that Michael B. Jordan's play? Yeah. I, I don't know my Black Panther lore all that well, so. I knew it. I, I'm not I'm not uh, that steeped into the the Black Panther lore. Yeah. Uh, let me do a quick Google search. <laughs> That's actually our, our, our thinking Googling music. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the key thing for me was, you know, they it would have been good if they didn't give that away. Yeah. I don't know whether he's you know whether there's going to be additional story points about you know you know or whether he's the ultimate bad guy that they're going to be facing in this thing. But it's kind of like eh, we don't you know. It would have been nice to see that as a surprise rather than just having it laid bare in the trailer. I don't think it's as bad as like the Doomsday reveal in the Batman v Superman trailer. That was in the trailer? Yeah. The Batman v Superman. You block that out of your your memory. I forgot that movie. (laughs) I actually just got the Blu-ray of the the Ultimate Edition and I'm like, I I can actually rewatch that over and over again. And what's funny is that every time I rewatch it, I enjoy it just a little bit more. There will come a time when I actually just love that movie, I think. Okay, <laughs> stop watching it now, then. <laughs> I need My to advice stop. to your sanity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're not going to re- revisit that. Maybe we'll do do a discussion on Batman v Superman revisited at some point. We'll do a jab um, movie. But Black Panther, was, Black Panther was, uh, was cool. I, I really like, uh, again, you know, just the way they visualized Wakanda, that whole Afio, Afrofuturism concept, just the way it looks and feels. It comes across as really fresh, you know, going, I guess we're going to go more into that in the Thor Ragnarok part of the discussion as well. But it's cool that Marvel is still able to reinvent and give us something a little bit, at least it feels new compared to what we've had before. Yeah, It, it may be the exact same um, uh, formula and template that they're using for all these movies, but at least it's not boring yet, you know? And so that's, that, that, that's exciting. And it seems like the cast gets uh, more to do with the, I forgot the name of the elite soldiers. The Dora Milaje. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I was, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. And those are so neat because, um, you know, I learned about, the, if, they, if they hadn't shown Killmonger, that's, the, that's his name, the name of the, the villain from Black Panther, if they, haven't sh- if they hadn't shown his suit in the trailer, people would have uh, known him from uh, the action figure listing. Oh right! Because there's an action figure of the of the golden suit, and my nieces watch the trailer and they really dig the the soldier ladies whose name escaped me again. 
Dora Milaje. The Dora Milaje. Yeah, yeah, no, so the, the Dora Milaje are, um, because T'Challa, the main actual Black Panther, is the king of Wakanda. They're his personal bodyguard, I think. Yeah, so I don't know whether they're just his personal bodyguards or whether they're like the, the bo- they are the bodyguards to the king specifically, um, I think. So whoever is in that position gets them. They look badass, though. They look so cool. Yeah, so I can't I can't wait to, to see them in action as well. And like just that there's that one scene in the trailer where um, T'Challa walks in with the Dora Milaje like flanking him. So, you know, there's like three of them one on each side and one be behind him. And it just looks like every time I walk into a room, I wish that could happen. <laughs> like just <Yeah. laughs> flanked, flanked by these awesome bodyguards. It's so cool. Yeah, but, you know, I'm super excited o- over this one. So the trailer worked. And I guess that brings us to our second big trailer, The Last Jedi. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is we put a question out to the audience as well, and we got, uh, we, we got a reply. Yeah, <laughs> and I have to say, sorry, we recorded an, an episode with our first reactions where the whole thing was, where the email we received was read out, but Martin messed it up uh, and ma- mastered the file wrong and deleted the master file. So we only had the corrupted episode with, with corrupted sound. I apologize for that. <laughs> well, you know, maybe we can add all the corrupted sound as a, as a bonus extra credit scene to this podcast. <laughs> us, us talking no, at won't. three times the speed <laughs> that we uh, usually yeah. do, which sounds funny. But we got an, an email in from Ashley, and his reaction to the trailer is, uh, to hell with what all the trailer showed after the first 15 seconds. All that matters was those first, those first 15 seconds. Uh, no longer are we are we to watch AT-ATs lumber around awkwardly fighting. Now we have AT-HEs all-terrain attack gorillas. Uh, the fight has already <laughs> been won. Look at them, gigantian behemoths. And thank you for the uh, for the reply. That's awesome. Thanks, Ashley. <laughs> You're amazing. Like five minutes after we put out the question, we got that email. Ashley's always on time. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> No, it's cool. I love the idea of what was it? Um, the AT AT gorillas. Yes, all not... terrain attack gorillas. Yeah, that's the first time I heard that that comment. So that was awesome. <laughs> um, Would be neat if the movie really ended with them. The the rebellion yeah. says like, yeah, well, we can pack up things, you know. <laughs> but the first fifteen seconds is is, is that indicative of uh, your thoughts as well? No, I I think the trailer is amazing. Uh, I. <laughs> We talked about it at work, and mm-hmm. uh, I had I had this epiphany. You have to compare J.J. Abrahams and Ryan Johnson with painters, yeah. Uh, and this is like a a more a more modern uh thing. This is a a Van Gogh compared to you know J.J. delivers like like Biedermeier artwork, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. to say it uh, at least. No, I I really yeah. dig the trailer. I mean, it's it's. No spoilers, there are some things that might indicate where the story uh, could go, but I think all those things are just uh, or were cut together to get you interested in the in the movie yeah. and to steer up conversation on the internet. And I think, you know, historically, I mean, even with the first, with the trailers for uh, The Force Awakens and stuff, there was a little bit of misdirection with the way the trailers were cut together. And so I think here you're, you're right as well. There's probably some misdirection going on with what's going to happen. Uh, you, you know, there's that there's that uh, one kind of scene, I guess, where it almost looks like Kylo Ren's about to kill Princess Leia. Yeah. You know, is that 
you know, those may be in completely different parts. You know, the ship that he's in might be facing a completely different ship compared to the one that she's in, if she's even on a ship, right? So the way they cut it together could kind of imply things that we take to mean one thing when actually it's going to show up completely differently in the movie. Uh, and the same, like, there's that last bit where Ray's all like, I need someone to show me the way, and Kylo Ren's like, you know, take my hand. He, I mean, I can't, I'm can't. i paraphrasing, obviously, but um, that's what it looks like, but is that what's going to happen? Yeah, if he even extends know? his hand towards Rey. Yeah. You know, again, like you said, it's built to sort of create that discussion and hype, which is what a good trailer should do, right? Yeah. So to Ashley's point as well, I think the opening scenes of like the AT-ATs and just that it looks like they're on some sort of salt flats and then there's like all this red smoke rising out of the earth. It's just, it's almost like, biblical imagery it's just it looks so cool like the i just love how each time we get one of these movies the improvements in the effects and just the visuals of it and just the the artistry i mean going back to the painting analogy of where the directors are artists like i love that you can freeze frame some of those things and just like you could put it up on a wall like you know it's it just looks so nice so yeah i mean i really i really enjoyed it but I'm wary for what it's where it's going to go. Let's let's just say that decisions were made that put my mind at ease about the possible Star Wars future. Well, and the fact that well, Ryan Johnson's got a, he's got um, another three movies exactly exactly in the development that. lab. So, but apparently these are not going to be Skywalker focused. No, they won't. And so it's going to be. Interesting. I was. I was what, what's your thought on that? If it's not Skywalker... So these are the next three movies after the current trilogy is finished. If it's not a Skywalker story, is it a Star Wars story? I think so, because it um, there are so many other characters that aren't related to, to the Skywalker mythos or only um, with, a, with a big distance between, between them and the, and the Skywalker family. So I think that could work out. I mean, we have the whole unknown regions thing that uh, gets mentioned in the in the expanded universe in the current one, yep. and the emperor set up shop there with something. Uh, yeah, he's got a he's got a little colony, does he? <laughs> yeah, and the the first the first order came came from there, so there's definitely uh, something there. Yeah, what I would like to see is it'll be good if. We can go into different parts of the of the universe, but the stories should still be centered on specific characters. And so having that heroes versus villains and that hero's journey style of story, rather than it becoming like a Star Trek kind of story, which is all about, you know, which, which feels more about, it's more exploratory. Uh, it's more about um, like the team, I guess, yeah. you know, rather, rather than an individual's journey specifically. Because I think that's what set Star Wars apart. Yes. But, uh, you know, I think that the, the universe and the creative minds behind it can come up with um, new, well, not new dynasties, but new characters. I mean, if you look mm -hmm. at Rogue One, which uh, established a completely new set of, of figures, but they but integrate so well into the known canon. Yeah. Well, except for um, Ghost Dog's character. Um, how was he called? The rebel leader on... Who was um, established in Clone Wars? I want to say Mask Canada, but that's the lady from the <laughs> I know. from the Force um, Awakens. Um, oh, damn it! Moth Mon Mothma. 
He's no, no, she's the, the, the Rebel leader, and he, he even got a big part now in, in, in Star Wars Rebels. He's an example of a of, of, uh, uh, badly developed... Thrawn? Not Thrawn. No, no, no. The, 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 I don't know who you're talking about. The, 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 rebel, <laughs> the rebel guy. Oh. I don't know. I even don't know the actor's name. He, he played the, the, uh, the main role in, in Ghost Dog, the Jim Jarmusch film. Oh, Forrest Whitaker? Forrest Whitaker. Oh, Forrest Whitaker. Um, yeah, Forrest... Okay. For Ghost Dog. <laughs> okay, I'm like, if you said The Last King of Scotland... <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah he was that as well. I, yeah, I forgot his name. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's uh, yeah. You know, I know a ton of Star Wars names, but his name always escapes me because he's so yeah. so, so formulaic. Just a foil. Um, I mean, a well-used foil in in Rebels with the whole thing. How should a rebellion be organized, and should we adhere to certain to certain rules of war? Is that season four? That's season four. Yeah. Okay, which I have not started. Okay, so this is the Star Wars Rebels TV series. I'm excited that he's he's in it because he is an interesting character. But let's see if the execution, like you say, if it's not as well done. Yeah, he he, he needs a bit more depth. I think just a bit more right. more story. Yeah, when I finish Star Wars Rebels, we can add that because this is the final season of Star Wars Rebels, right? So I think they're almost done. I'm just waiting for all the episodes to come out so I can just binge it. Because I love that show. Yeah, it's really cool. And the fourth season is, is really great. Didn't have... Um, the, the trailers didn't strike me, strike me as especially uh, interesting. But they really... They go into old places, but they show you some, some new tricks and new things. Yeah. Oh, nice. They're surprises. That's what I like. <laughs> All right, cool. So let's just go back. We'll just finish up on Rayon Johnson. So, I mean, you, you feel that it's good news about the... Uh, the new set of movies that he's planning. Yeah. There is this thing. Um, there's a a a a a, a trailer that, uh, that's focused on on Rian Johnson, uh, especially mm-hmm. and the way he talks. And he always carries a camera with him. Yeah, you see that this guy is. I just I just like him. He's a, a, to me at least a very likable uh, human being. Uh, yeah. And how how he talks that he he admits that he still gets the 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 fan freakout moments even on set. Yeah, and he he just seems he seems so so focused, but in a in a in a lovingly in a loving in a way, passionate way, in a passionate yeah. way, yeah. And and yeah, I don't know. He he seems um less. J.J. Abraham seems laser focused. Yeah, to me the thing the risk with Abrams is that it was sad to hear that there was not a long term plan for the current trilogy. So I think there was an interview with um, Adam uh, Driver, the guy who plays Kylo Ren. Is it Adam Driver? Yeah. yeah, who's saying like effectively like there was no real plan for what Kylo Ren's story arc was going to be. Yeah. Um, and so between these three movies that we have now, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and then the next one is unnamed, right? We don't have a name. There, w- there was no real plan for what Kylo Ren's story was going to be. And that's disappointing because I like there to be a well-thought-out story. But on the flip side, because we're going to have rian johnson working on these three movies together um it'll be good to actually have an overall story arc across those three three movies and i think i lost martin (laughs) hello hello hi yeah we're back we're back okay awesome um i just kept on recording so yeah me too okay cool all right, where were we? What was the last thing? Uh, <laughs> J.J. Abrahams 
uh, has no idea, or had no idea where things are going when he oh, yeah, yeah. the Force Awakens. Yeah, so with Kylo Ren, like uh, Adam Driver said, right, in the interview, that he didn't actually know what the plot points of Kylo Ren's story was going to be, like where the, where the character was going, um, because J.J. Abrams doesn't actually plan, I don't know, doesn't actually plan too far in advance, because he's not so much interested in the story aspect, he's more interested in like the mystery aspect. Uh, and I think we've discussed that on this podcast a few times now. So for me, it's good that having Rian Johnson in the driver's seat, looking after three movies as a part of the next trilogy, that we're actually going to have a thought out plan and approach for whatever that trilogy is going to be. You know, it's not just going to be like, let's just see what happens. It's actually going to be like a well thought out story, which is what we had effectively with the f- original trilogy in the first place. Mm. You know, you don't think so? Well, I mean, because it was retrofitted. Um, after the first one, right? They had to make the the next two, but at least they all came together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. But you see what happens when when um, people who who claim to have a vision get to realize it in in the prequels and uh, Clone Wars TV show and stuff, where where people have to, as you say, retrofit uh, mm-hmm. stuff to work in the the broader context instead of giving you a direction. Yeah, and and taking outside Letting- input. Letting the next person pick it up. It's kind of yeah. like passing the ball, yeah. right? And you see... I, sorry. Sorry. I, was gonna, I can see that, that there would be um, there would be benefits to both sides. But I think, I don't know. It just makes me feel good when there's a well-thought-out plan. Yeah, or yeah, a well-thought-out yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm totally on board. I'm totally on board with you on that. That's why I'm so uh, excited to see Rian Johnson uh, getting to realize things. Because he's a, he's a creative guy yeah and yeah, yeah for sure i hope he 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 gets to keep the creativity for the star wars movie and hasn't uh hasn't been pressed into a into a form by the the disney machine yeah well i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure the disney machine is going to get involved but within that construct <laughs> within that construct i'm sure um he can still he can still maneuver a really good story out of it so let's let's hope let's see fingers crossed Fingers crossed. All right, cool. So that was our Star Wars discussion. So we can quickly go through a couple of other trailers that came out and we'll just get some instant reactions to them. So we probably won't go into deep, deep dive uh, mode. So we'll start off with Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams. Yeah, it's a TV series that's going to come out on Amazon Prime and it's like Black Mirror, but with Philip K. Dick centered stories. He's the guy who wrote the uh, the book that Blade Runner is based on, the two androids, Dream of Electric Sheep, and a lot of other things. Uh, he wrote the story for Minor- Minority Report, and there was this Ben Affleck movie where he's he gets his brain erased after every job. Oh, it was, it was that? That's not that's the Keanu movie, isn't it? The Keanu movie. I think it was. Yeah, he did a lot of sci-fi things, like the yeah. There, there, there was this Keanu Reeves uh, animated thing, a Scanner Darkly. A Scanner Darkly, yeah. Where he provided, which I never it. saw. I just, I didn't like the animation in that. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't Me watch too. the whole thing. It was just too trippy. Yeah, yeah. The, but the movies, the movies, are not that bad. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to the show because I dig the ideas that Philip K. Dick uh, postulates in in uh, almost every every one of his works, and we have. Uh, 
And in one episode, we have Brian Cranston, and the trailer uh, seems to go all over the place, like like Black yeah. Mirror. Yeah, because it's not it's not one continuous story, right? Yeah. So it's just it's going to be one of those like each episode is going to be a different story. So that'll be that'll be cool to see how they how, how they um, put it all together. Yeah, and Amazon Prime is they're not struggling, but they it's, it's it feels like they can't find uh, footing in the in the streaming market. Yeah, I think they do have a lot of critically acclaimed shows, but their shows are generally critically acclaimed and not audience, um, you know, massive audience shows. So, I mean, maybe this is a good segue then to go into the fact that Amazon's now bought the rights to The Lord of the Rings and want to create a TV series out of it, which, what you know, I, I don't know whether Jeff Bezos said this or not, but it's effectively their Game of Thrones. You know, they want their, their own mass appeal um, fantasy show. <laughs> yeah, everyone's uh, expecting a Game of Thrones. And I wonder if they do the, the Silmarillion. Well, and so this is where I think, you know, things get complicated. I'm not sure. They said it's going to be a prequel to The Lord of the Rings. Okay. They didn't say it's going to be a prequel to The Hobbit. Oh, yeah. It's, yep. Right? Sorry, yeah. And so what isn't, I mean, I mean, I mean, from a Tolkien fan, what's the story that happens between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings? Because I'm pretty sure that was a lull period of history. I mean, Frodo gets born, you know, maybe is it the story of the Sackville Bagginses? You know, is it just the story of how, how, how the, um, how the, the Baggins family kind of split apart? I don't know. Cause it's just a lot of Gandalf run. I mean, Gandalf was just running around smoking weed for a lot of that time. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of high drama <laughs> to my knowledge that happens in between. Cause I know in the Hobbit effectively, you know, like Sauron's rising again. But Gandalf's caught off guard when the ring finally appears, you know? Is that canon? That he I mean, and, and literally, it's actually, it's actually in, it's actually in, like, the, the Fellowship of the Ring. Like, Gandalf's just, like, showing up for birthday parties and just sitting around smoking weed. Like, they call it pipe weed, but it's weed, you know? It's the same thing. I'm not excited about a show that's based in that period of time. Because, I mean, maybe it's just my lack of knowledge about what actually happens in that period of time, but... I think not a whole lot happens in that period of time. It would be super cool if it was coming out of the Silmarillion or like the first and second ages of what happened in Middle Earth. Like there's the whole story about like the, the, the human kingdoms and how they split apart the fall of Arnor and like this whole history of like how Gondor came into being and the, how the different like human kingdoms split apart, how the, the kings of men got the nine rings. What happened to the dwarven rings? There's like so much they could mine out of all of that. Even the creation of the rings in the first place, with Sauron taking the form of um, the deceiver, and then how you know how the rings were created. Because there's so much of politics even then between the elves, the dwarves, and the humans. And then even within the kingdoms of the humans, the dwarves, and the elves, there's all this internal politics. They could they could so totally do something with that. And then plus, it's the age where you've got all the crazy. Like, there's more dragons, there's more, you know, there's, like, so many yeah, cool yeah, yeah, yeah. creatures that you could bring out of that. That the little period of time between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings is, to me, super boring. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. Like, it'll be... I hope it's not. I, I, I hope it's, like, going back into, like, the early days of Middle-earth's history and not just that little period between the two Hobbit movie and The Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, but, well, given the the 
the thing that they want to develop with I mean everybody tries to be the next Game of Thrones but I think when that show comes out uh, a lot of people have to buy new pairs of pants <laughs> you think everyone's just going to cream themselves yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's a polite way of saying it. <laughs> yeah but you know I don't know whether they're going to continue with the look and feel of the trilogy of like the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy um, which to me was like that's when I think of the Tolkien world now um, that's that's my that's my standard benchmark because the design, the weaponry, the motifs of the different kingdoms, like just the level of detail that was put into creating that trilogy was just so fantastic. I hope they don't do something that comes across as looking cheap um, compared to that. That's what uh, a lot of people criticized uh, the Hobbit uh, trilogy for not for not being on par with the with the visual effects and the designs uh, of the the main the main trilogy. Peter Jackson did before. Yeah. But at least that's a complete I only saw the first the first Hobbit film and the second one uh I was drifting in and out of consciousness because I watched it at Christmas Day. But yeah, I I, I totally get why people uh, don't like uh the Hobbit trilogy and prefer the the main trilogy and I guess that Amazon will go for that look and feel in the depiction of this rather boring timeline that they're modulating to bring to the series. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do, because uh, I love I love Lord of the Rings. Like it's one of my favorite things, yeah. right? So I hope they don't just fuck it up. And you know, pe- people have earned that, especially with you know. I get my Star Wars TV show like next year. Yeah, Lord of the Rings people should get the Lord of the Rings show. <laughs> yeah, but you know, not if it's a shit one. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want it to be actually good. <laughs> so. Because I just rewatch Lord of the Rings. Like, if I want to go back to that world, I'll just rewatch Lord of the Rings. I'm waiting for it to come out on like 4K HDR Blu-ray right now, but that's, it's still it's still one of my favorite movies to rewatch over and over again. Cool. All right, so that's Amazon, and that is um, Phil K. Dick's uh, uh, Electric Electric Dreams. Electric Dreams, yeah, which comes from the title of "Do Androids Dream of Electric, electric Sheep?" Right. Sheep, yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So. Um, the next trailer, uh, we'll, we'll go through these ones quickly. I guess we had The Shape of Water from Guillermo del Toro. So this is an, this has got some award season buzz around it. So yes. people are saying it's Oscar worthy. Yeah, and I, I know a person who saw it uh, in Cannes. Mm-hmm. Did it win Cannes? I don't know, uh, at, at this festival, and he said the film, the film is amazing. He went in with okay. no expectation. He just uh, read uh, Guillermo del Toro. And then learned about the the premise of the film and thought this is gonna be shit, but I could spend two hours of my life doing worse things. And he came out <laughs> a, a convert and wow. said, "Watch it." Yeah, I I mean my favorite Guillermo del Toro movie so far is still Pan's Labyrinth, and this has a little bit of that 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 vibe to it. Like yeah. his um his creature design obviously has a theme, you know, yeah. uh, and the water creature. So it's about a is it a deaf girl that falls in love with a water creature or something it's a mute uh a mute girl oh she's mute okay and the water creature kind of looks like abe sapien yeah. from hellboy <laughs> so you know again he's got a very very clear you know very clear sense of design around these creatures uh, but yeah i mean it's it's getting some really big award season buzz so i'm looking forward to actually seeing that one and then pacific rim 2 yeah it's yeah happening it's, it's happening <laughs> your generic action movie um 
I liked the first Pacific Rim. I think it was a well put together movie. And this is Guillermo del Toro as well, right? No, this one's uh, directed by a different person because... Oh, right, okay. Yeah, uh, but uh, the name the name escaped me. I thought, oh, he made two movies in a row. Well, I guess that makes sense, yeah. If he had Shape of Water coming out, then... Yeah, but this one looks a little bit of more of the same, yeah. but it's also got some interesting things in the trailer, like the, the, the different mechs, the Jaegers, are fighting each other now. So Yeah, but their designs have been watered down, I think. I feel they're not as good. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether it's just a... Um, an early release of what the things will actually look like when the movie's finally finished and all the effects are put in. But yeah, they don't look as good. Yeah, I hope they go the, the uh, not Gundam, uh, the Macross route, where they get add-on parts for the robots. Yeah. Like rocket launchers and stuff and armor plating. Well, this looks like they do have a lot of built-in. I mean, it looks like all the weaponry is built-in. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know whether they can... Maybe that that's like the the big thing at the end is like... They several of them get destroyed and they need to reassemble them from the parts of each other and they and, and they create like a Voltron style. That, that would be a Voltron amazing. style machine. Yeah. All right. Cool. So yeah, I mean, I'll 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 watch it. Yeah. So me too. we'll, we'll wait, wait for another trailer. No expectations there. Um, and then Grant Morrison's story, Happy. Yeah. This is a TV show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's based on a comic book, which I didn't particularly like, but. I really dig where they're going with the with the series. It looks yeah. like it reminds me of, of of Deadpool because it's yeah so left field. It's got that very yeah. It's got that um, left field meta feel about it. Uh, and it's I mean, what's the premise? Is it's a, it's a there's like a um, is it a donkey? Yeah, it's a it's uh, like an imaginary donkey, donkey that yeah. this dude sees. Yeah, and the, <laughs> the donkey's um, summoned by a girl that has been kidnapped. And the guy has like oh, right. uh, a day to to rescue her, but also runs into trouble with the mob and the police and like yeah. all, everybody who crosses his way. His way. So it's kind of like a comedy of errors because he's like yeah. a grisly uh, detective kind of guy who's seen it all. Like that's the archetype, and then he gets this imaginary cartoon donkey that's following him around, and it's kind of like <laughs> trying to lead him the way to the girl. Right? It looks pretty cool. Yeah, the trailer pretty cool. The, skip the comic, watch the sh- watch the show. I guess it's my recommendation at this point. <laughs> cool. All right, so we we have the Stranger Things trailer on here too for season two, but oh, I yeah. guess we'll talk about that in the review section, which, yeah. which is following directly after this. Um, and so we'll finish off with the Last Mutants. Uh, sorry, the New, new Mutants, Mutants trailer. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I like the idea of them going into different genres because the horror, I think the horror genre is, or, or the, yeah, the horror genre is a, a good way to um, to set new mutants uh, to, because they're obviously uh, full of hormones and mutating. Uh, yeah. It fits. Yeah. But it feels like they want to they wanna, um, ride the, the Legion wave was my f- yeah. first thought. That's my thought as well. Like, t- to me, so the New Mutants are a part of the X-Men franchise, right? Uh, so this is going to be a Fox TV show. I, I can't remember. Yeah, it's going to be on Fox. It's a Fox TV show anyway. I don't know what channel it's going to be on. It's a movie, I think. Oh, oh it's a movie. It's a movie, yeah. Oh, it is. It is. It is. It's a movie. Sorry. Legion was the, was no, it would be the a TV gr- show. It would make a great TV show in addition to Legion. But, yeah. So here's the thing, right? With the New Mutants... Were they a dark team? Like the New Mutants was Cannonball, Sunspot, Myst- uh, those not, guys, right? Not, not Mystique. Um, 
Magic, I think she was called. Magic, yeah. Razor, Razor Bane, the lady who turns into a wolf, who joins X-Force later, and um, yeah. Space Guy. Space Guy. <laughs> yeah, the, the Warlock. Warlock, I think he was right. called. Oh, right. Um, the, um, the Phalanx guy. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. So, my key point is, though, they were never in a mental institution in the comics, were they? No, but, you know, Bill Sienkiewicz illustrated the first batch of comics, so mm-hmm. it it kind of has this horror vibe. I remember reading it uh, as, a, as a kid and feeling that the art really enhanced the uncertainty, the, yeah. the character's experience. So I think the horror thing is, it kind of works. Mm, I, I can see the horror thing. I think, I don't know, I just, the setting of like whatever hospital or mental institution or whatever they're in, it just feels so forced. Yeah. Like, why would they put all of these, like, any time you have superpowered beings who don't understand their powers put in a place where they're all together, it just creates a completely unstable situation. <laughs> you know, yeah. why would you do that? And so that kind of, like, why is Sans in the trailer, the dude is, like, walking towards, like, it feels like it's too contrived. He's walking towards in the laundry room, and there's, like, all the washing machines, and then, like, Sunspot is inside a washing machine. Like, what's, what's going on? I don't know. Their, their power sets, to me, don't really fit with the situation that they're in. But at the same time, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether there is, whether, like, Mysterio is there or something. Like, there's some oh, sort of, like, be, mind... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, some sort of, like, mental projection evil villain that's actually causing them to think all this. And that's what creates the horror vibe for the show. Because, to me, none of these characters are dark horror-style characters. You know, like in terms of their power sets and Absolutely. what they end up yeah. doing later on. So yeah. it feels a little bit weird. Yeah, and it's um, not like the, the X-Men branch of, of stories have a shortage of, of villains that can produce illusions and control yeah. minds. I mean, there's so many, uh, like the X-Men universe in itself is just so rich with characters and stories that they still continue to do stupid things. Like, I, I mean, I like the fact that they're trying something different. Um, I like the fact that they're doing a genre bend <laughs> with, with putting like mutants in a horror franchise, yeah. but you could have chosen better hor- like better mutants <laughs> with different with power sets that were like that worked towards that. Like that's why Legion worked, you know. Like Legion was good because the context of the characters, the story they were in, what was happening in that show, all came together beautifully. Whereas this feels like they just took like can you imagine like just taking the normal X Men cast? So you know, Jean Grey. Jean Grey, Storm, Cyclops, and uh, uh, Beast, and then and so. yeah, yeah, yeah and then randomly putting them in like a mental institution and saying it's a horror movie, like, yeah. eh. unlike uh, unless, and I only had that thought once I said Jean Grey, it's Jean Grey's mental powers going crazy that's creating that environment. You know, that might be what's happening, but I guess to be seen. I'm not. I'm not super excited. I'm yeah, just, me, I'm, just me too. I'm expecting it to be like, ugh. Why did they do that? But let's let, let's look at it. you know Deadpool was a Deadpool came out of left left field and grabbed our hearts. Yeah, but even from the initial inception of of the first time we saw a trailer with Deadpool, we're like, oh, not even the trailer. It was just the proof of concept action sequence that they did. We we're like, oh my god, we want to see that. I see this trailer. I'm like, eh. Really? Like, Legion was better. Legion made yeah, a lot yeah. more sense to yeah. me. Yeah. So. That's it. All right. New Mutants. Thanks, Fox. Well, it's good, you know. Try experimenting. See what works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Which, well, I mean, maybe that's a good place to segue into Gifted now, which is a TV show that's also on, I believe it's on Fox, but it's an X-Men-related TV show 
about a family that goes on the run after their kids turn out to be mutants and they're being hunted by a organization known as Sentinel Services. So effectively they, in, in the show, they just keep on saying the Sentinels, the Sentinels, right? But, it, but um, I'm really like gripped by the show. It's, oh, it's, okay. It's pretty good. I'm, uh, you know, it's not, it's not like, you know, champagne television or anything, but um, the story is really good. I always get caught up by the X-Men storylines where it's kind of like people being persecuted, uh, which is the big analogy for the X-Men. And this show does a good job at actually doing that. So it's effectively a family drama because the father was a prosecutor for mutants. So he was actually in, like his job was to actually catch and put mutants in jail whenever they broke the law and the laws were severely restrictive. And then his kids end up becoming mutants. And so the family needs to go on the run. And it's just, um, it's put together really well. There's, there is a mutant underground organization that's helping to protect them kind of thing. Uh, and they have kind of like an underground railroad sort of uh, setup. You know, they're caught in this in the in that world now, which is really cool. And it's got uh, it's got Blink. Yeah. Uh, all all the characters are not like super from the comics, so they've they've interpreted Blink, Thunderbird, and a few other characters. And it's it's really interesting to watch. And they actually use powers in a very you know in a cool way. It's like you know they actually use powers, which is good. So it's not like a t- a TV show where they don't show you any powers oh, because yeah. it's too expensive to do. So I quite I quite like it. I have to check it out then. Uh, like we found out in our uh, pre-show talk, I haven't even known that the show is already on the air. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's it's still a network show, but it does it. It's not story of the day. It still has an overall sort of story arc, and then it spends time to talk about the character drama as well. So, you know, you get your sort of network television <laughs> skew, but you also get a really good, like, action story as well. So, yeah, it's pretty yeah, cool. Pretty I'll, cool. I'll check it out. Oh, and it's got it's got Polaris as well. So she's... Oh, nice. Good. So, yeah. not Magneto. Not Magneto. And just the way they, they play with the characters and the storylines is quite, quite interesting. The acting is above average. It's, you know, maybe it's just... It's got some weak spots here and there, but it's it's really good. I mean, I, you know, I'm recommending it, so it's 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 overall a good good show. I think I, I didn't even bother with Inhumans. Like, I just saw like a couple of that, a couple the of scenes. Season. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. But you know, you did watch it. Or? I watched the whole season. Uh, and what's sad about it is that the the actors they got, they're done. They're doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. It's to their credit that the show is a bit watchable. But overall, it's 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 a complete mess. Forgettable. Uh, skip it. Even even uh, IMAX themselves, who co-produced the thing, said we should look uh, at the properties we're going to financially back better. In, really? Yeah, in the future. Yeah, it's it's yeah. sad. It's it's sad, especially uh, you know Marvel tried to push the Inhumans so hard. Yeah, I mean, and this is the Inhumans was another one of those properties that had so much of potential. You know, just going back to Game of Thrones, like I would have loved to have seen Inhumans, which was like a Game of Thrones style with people with powers, you know, like in terms of having that internal politics, having the different kingdoms of the Inhumans uh, vying for power or the the different factions vying for power would have been would have been really awesome. But instead, I don't know what they put together. Like, it just looks so trashy. Even the great reveal when uh, Black Bolt utters some word, some words is uh, disappointing. Was disappointing. Yeah, it's yeah. Don't watch it. Skip Were it. the stories interesting? Like, the, did they do anything with the characters? 
Like, was there actual character work or was it just like fake spectacle? No, they tried. It's fake spectacle. They tried to do, to do, to definitely do things, address um, class politics. Right. But it falls flat at the end because, right. yeah. And even, you know, I looked forward when they said, yeah, well, um, they, uh, Lockjaw's gone and we have to use Eldrek, which is an, a large inhuman who serves as a, a teleporter, who's basically a door. And I thought, yeah, well, perhaps he's the one decent thing in this show, effects-wise. Yeah. He isn't. It's just a face <laughs> on a wall that opens Seriously? up to let people inside. Yeah, it's... Does, does the mouth open up? No, no, no. no. They, 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 his, <laughs> his, um, his chest or, or what would... Right. What would be his chest just opens up and people walk through it with a, a soft ripple effect. Yeah. Okay. Don't bother well, watching it. I suffered for you. And yeah, please. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate, <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I think the, the storylines are gifted and just what they're doing with the characters is quite interesting. Like you and I were talking before about um, now, now that you're uh, going to be a soon to be father, your perspective on sort of reading and watching a lot of these um, shows and movies and stuff are, uh, are changing. Yeah. So, uh, and I mentioned that in Gifted, there was a really interesting uh, story and episode. I think it was four or five. I can't remember now where, um, you know, they, it was a really good father and son family type episode dealing with how to raise a kid effectively, <laughs> which was quite, it was a quite interesting discussion that they had him being, a, you know, the kid being a mutant and all. And so I said, you know, Martin should really check that one out. Yeah. I, you've been having, you've been having your, your own misty, yeah. The odd moment. Yeah, I watched the uh, the three hour version of the uh, nineteen eighty seven Superman movie. I think the the one Richard Donner directed, and there's a three movie cut out there. And as soon as Marlon Brando starts his his monologue on Krypton when he talks to Kal-El, I started tearing up. Yeah, yeah. Well, my wife remained stone faced. <laughs> stoic yeah which shocked me even more because you know all the, <laughs> the father becomes the son and this is all i can uh, give you and blah 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 they can be great people if they wish to be and they only like the light to see the way and that's why i sent them you my only son and yeah. that's where i lost oh, it <laughs> <laughs> like that the tears were shooting vertically from my eyes <laughs> <laughs> we got horizontal tears <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that, I can imagine that, that moment. I mean, the fact that, you know, as parents, your world is dying and as parents, you want the best for your children. And so they take the decision to send their child to another planet. Like, you know, we, we will put all of our last efforts into getting you safe. It's like, it's a huge moment. Like I, I, you know, I think that's what that's a part of what makes the Superman mythology so great that he's not just, he's not just from Krypton, but he's like, he's the, uh, he's the result of his parents making that decision, which then also, you know, I guess plays on who Superman is as a character and who he becomes. Cause he, you know, cause that's, what's cool as well is that you've got Jor-El and, um, I forgot his mother's name. Is it? Uh, is Martha. It? No, well, that, that's his human. Oh, um, um, but like, but you know, he's got his Kryptonian parents you know, sacrifice themselves for him. And then he gets raised by the Kents who, um, who teach him all about like effectively hometown values. Right. <laughs> uh, and that's what, that's what creates Superman and Clark Kent. That's what actually makes him who he is. 
and it's it, it's fascinating to view that as a parent and think about those uh, think about the, those effects and decisions. I guess his wife's called Lara. Lara, yeah, I was thinking Kara, but that's uh, that's super girl. Uh, close enough. <laughs> yeah, but you're 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 absolutely right. It's uh, and the analogy of uh, launching your kid into space is basically it's the whole the birth process. You know, coming out of the of the womb of the mm-hmm. protect of this protected space. Yeah, and getting 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 fired or, or pressed out uh, into the world. In, you know, I learned about this stuff. In, I don't know you've just weeks. you've just recently come out of uh, birthing classes, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but it's also like you know, and, and and I think it's interesting. I mean, even Superman Returns, the one with Brandon Routh, yeah. to that as well, where he comes back and he sees his five year old son or whatever it is, and he he, I can't remember the speech now, but he gives like while the kid's sleeping, he tells him effectively like you know what's in store for you in the future as the son of, of Superman, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's rousing. because I think you, you have those, um, you would have those thoughts around like, what is the world that this kid's going to be living in? No, you, um, ha- you have those. What is the future thoughts. that they're going to inherit? Yeah. You know? And even, even when the kid's not, not there, I mean, I, I started, I set up an email account for the kid and I started writing him, Emails, kind of justifying all the decisions I I make in the preparation. That's a, great, that's a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's uh, it could serve as a as a cheap excuse in the future. I mean we're we're, we're all uh, how did my father put it? <laughs> we're doing our worst, but with the best intentions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's that's just, that's the history of parenting, isn't it? I mean it's kind of like you can only do as well as you can at the time almost you know you yourself and and i'm sure you know you can you know you i i can imagine and i'm sure you can appreciate you just feel like oh my god i'm a parent now yeah uh, there's no handbook (laughs) yeah and like you said with the peter pan thing i'm uh, i don't even feel like a like an adult i mean I, i i i pay for an apartment and things and i go to work but uh, the the majority of my thoughts is centered around the thing we are doing now, <laughs> thinking about Star Wars. Yes. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, which is which is a very like maybe millennial uh, type approach yeah. to, to, to the world. I mean, because I think historically, maybe historically, maybe anthropologically, uh, in human society, we've had we've had these very clear demarcation points between when when you are a child and when you become an adult, like your tribe, your, your, your tribe um, gives you assent into becoming an adult because you go through some sort of ritual or, um, or something, you know, you, you do your, you go through that process. Yeah. There's a clear distinction. Yeah. There's a clear distinction. Whereas I think for, for us, you know, in like Western civilization, perhaps in the way, the way we live, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of a amorphous, you kind of, you know, you, you get to drinking age, you get to, you kind of transition into working age. You um, you start to vote, and then but there's no like you are now an adult. Yeah. You know, like maybe legally, you know, above fifteen, you you are you know legally tried as an adult and yeah. stuff. But as a person, you don't go through a process which which actually draws that that line in the sand. But there's this interesting thing that I didn't realize. It's uh, with the nieces. Uh, recently, my uh, my dad said because uh, because the stuff we we talk about. Especially now that uh, um, uh, Manis uh, came to us and asked about the repercussions our new government might have for her, with uh, 
with the rise of fascists and stuff. Uh, and those are, uh, and my dad realized that those are things that uh, we didn't talk about uh, with with my aunts and uncles, and he couldn't talk about with his aunts and uncles. And because we are more, or that's his uh, theory, because we are more more aligned with the with our childhood. And our childhood still factors into our um, adulthood. Kids trust us more and are more open because they realize that we are, we acknowledge them as almost equals. Yeah, and that this is uh, the biggest chance uh, we have with the um, air quotes millennial mindset. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, it's I think it's yeah, like still keeping that empathy. We still understand perhaps what it's like or if not understanding at least the communication channel feels a lot more open you know and so that's why it's maybe more comfortable to have to be able to say yeah ah, i can ask that that question or something like that and it's like you know uh, my niece sends me to toys r us when, when we're in the vicinity <laughs> i love that she outside. sends you <laughs> <laughs> that's great Yeah, because I know that in previous generations, like, you know, you watch TV shows like The Wonder Years yeah. and stuff, which I haven't watched since I was a kid. But like one of the big, you know, I was eight years old or something, and I understood that there was a gap between Kevin, uh, I think that was his name in the show, uh, yeah, and yeah. his parents' generation. Like the father was an adult and Kevin was a kid, but there was no real communication between them. And so like there was that gap between between the parent generation and the child generation, whereas I think now... And then especially with your aunties and uncles and stuff, perhaps who are kind of more mentally um, aligned, to, to use your word, with like childhood stuff, that communication becomes easier. Uh, because, yeah, you're right. There's, there's like less of a barrier between between the, the, the two generations, if you will. And where we're open to taking, um, we look at what, uh, <clears throat> what kids like uh, in a, another way. Than our parents did because they just said, "Okay, that's kid stuff." Well, I try yeah. to watch the thing, the things my nieces watch, just to, first of all, to to know where I should uh, counteract with some of the of the Disney stuff. That, It's like maybe you shouldn't be watching. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe see it. Uh, just just think about it differently. Uh, you know yeah. what it means. Uh, and I guess that that's that's a, a big strength too to allow yourself to. To uh, to surround yourself with ridiculous ridiculous yeah quotes again uh, things yeah. uh, for a while to get a understanding of where where the kid might might come from or what it what it sees uh, in in yeah. in those things. Yeah, it's it's maintaining that perspective, right? All right. Well, this certainly took a little bit of a turn into a yeah <laughs> discussion. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's good, you know. Stay young, <laughs> at least mentally anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, cool. So we are, we are pressed on time today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to procedurally move us forward, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, please And do. go into like just in general, um, just the rest of the, the, the news that we had around TV and stuff. And then we'll get into the Thor Ragnarok and Justice League discussions, which will be our two big topics for today. So you had something around uh, Dirk Gently. Oh yeah, Dirk Gently. Um, there's a US version of the show. It's on on Netflix in Europe. I don't know if uh, on which uh, cable network it's run. It runs on the US. First of all, Max Landis uh, helms the show, so all right, it might be a. a it, it was certainly uh, a thing uh, where I had to uh, think about 
watching it uh, two times. But the first season was very good, and the second season started a few weeks ago, uh, mm -hmm. and I stumbled upon it. And it's really good. It's uh, it became a really, really? Good show. I mean, Elijah Wood is in there, so your mileage may, may vary. Come on, it's Frodo. Yeah, but you <laughs> you know I'm, I'm I I, I can't. you know an Elijah Wood fan. I'm I'm not the biggest Elijah Wood fan. I have to admit. But uh, saying that, I can look uh, above and beyond um, my my dislike of 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 his face, and that's more a personal <laughs> thing because he looks like my cousin. And right. I hate my cousin. Um, <laughs> with, well, you know, if there's ever a reason to dislike someone's face, I guess. Yeah, so. <laughs> hell has no fury like I have for my cousin. Uh, just <laughs> all right. I was like, I was like, wait, are you are you going to completely diss Elijah Wood's face? No, 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 no. He's, he's a, he, he, of course, he's a beautiful man. Uh, <laughs> except for the fact that he, that he looks like my cousin. Yeah. Really hate. Uh, <laughs> And my cousin has a beard okay, cool. now, so I can I can look about uh above that. that. But the show's really good. It re um, it's so it's co completely bonkers and crazy and insane, right? Uh, okay. And has but, but it fits with the if if somebody read the the uh, Dirk Gently novels by Douglas Adams, yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's Douglas Adams. So I mean, just to give us a refresher on the premise of the show, uh, Dirk Gently is a holistic detective. So yeah, uh, cases <laughs> find him and he just walks through life solving those cases. But they're not normal cases, right? In, no, no, no. They're always bigger things. And the BBC did a show with um, Jason Mangan. I think it's called Jason Mangan uh, as Dirk Gently, which was a really great show, but got the X of the three episodes, three episodes. Oh, right. But you can you can get in the DVD and it's a really good show, and this this version is of course more uh, uh, U.S. Americanized, uh, given the yeah. uh, the cast and stuff. But, but it's 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 really good. I really like it. I, I dug the first season, and the the second season is 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 killing it in in my, right. in my opinion. Is that in terms of story or? Yeah, in terms what? of story and the sheer insanity. There is this pink-haired uh, medieval dude, and there's this whole medieval society where they fight with scissors, sword-sized scissors. <laughs> okay. And awesome. if that's any indication <laughs> of where this thing goes, I'm just so. imagining like a whole bunch of like dressmakers and tailors going to war right now with their massive scissors. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and the, you know the palace guards have helmets that are shaped like castle towers, cutouts. Right. For yeah, that's the incentive okay. that we're talking about I, with this show. Okay, so if you're, so I guess the recommendation is if you're ready for insanity, this is your yeah, show. Yeah, you have to go in with an definitely with an with an open mind because otherwise you just uh, sit there and go, what, 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 what is happening? What am I watching? Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, it's always been on my radar. I haven't seen season one yet, but I guess now is a great time to jump on. There's just way too much to watch right now. So it's, it's like there's a long queue. All right. Awesome. So um, that's pretty much it, I think, for our movies and news reviews section. Did we leave anything out? I think we got it all, right? No, we got it all. Cool. We got uh, it. You're, do you want to go into uh, the big, big topics then? We'll start off with Thor Ragnarok. Let's start big. So initial impressions. It's a, a good movie. Uh, it proves that Marvel, as you've mentioned earlier, can go into new directions um, and show us new things because this this is... And that, that was the first thing I said after the movie. It 
this is a Kirby uh, and um, not Al Williamson, who who was the second biggest Thor artist. I forgot <laughs> That's his name. a highly specific question. Now. I just, yeah, I just uh, and I have the I have the the artist edition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, you think it's, about that. Yeah, Go it's on. just a, a a a fever dream uh, made into reality, and it's a good movie, but it's also uh, how how should I put it? It stumbles upon its own legs while while running, and the biggest problem I have with it is the humor, which really really bo- yeah it, it, especially in the last in the in the third act it really bothered me because all the jokes get telegraphed to you after a certain period right yeah, that's mm. that's the biggest that's my 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 biggest complaint it's it's it beca- it becomes too funny it becomes too funny yeah it almost it- <laughs> it, it's not taking <laughs> yeah, away like from it, the drama it doesn't take itself seriously enough or no not that but it it takes itself seriously enough, and I see I see the need for the for the humor to keep the experience fresh yeah. because Doctor Strange proved that uh, this can can work, and um, people tend to over overlook some some flaws that are not present in in this movie. I might add, mm-hmm. or at least they're they're present at the start of the movie, but the, those are script problems. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, it's, it, 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 I, I was a little bit surprised at how um, how sedate and uh, reasonable your your reaction was actually when I uh, <laughs> when I asked you just then. I was expecting you to kind of like go crazy with it, but um, because that was the impression I got when you first saw it on like social media. So um, really, I I yeah. Okay, because I thought, that, I thought I'd be the, the you know the sore thumb because I seem to be the only person who said, yeah, it's <laughs> too too much. Oh, really? At the end. Oh. Yeah. Because I was the other way. I I quite enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I loved, I loved the visuals. I loved the color. I loved the design of the different worlds. I mean, like you said, there was a lot of Jack Kirby influences, right? So it beautiful. Was, that was really beautiful cool. designs, beautiful um, colors. I thought the performances from Kate Blanchett and from uh, Jeff Goldblum were fantastic, <laughs> like Jeff Goldblum. They both looked like they were having so much fun, which is what I liked about it. No, 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 no. But Jeff Goldblum is playing Jeff. That's why True. I get he Jeff is, Goldblum. He's Jeff Goldblum in every movie that yeah. he's in. You know, he's like, but that's kind of like that's what makes Jeff Goldblum Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he fits. You know? He fits the thing. But <laughs> I, I'm I'm just glad he doesn't have too much. Uh, he doesn't have too much screen time. Yeah, but it's. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I because. He's got clear character differences. He's not Doctor Ian Malcolm, as <laughs> um, as is. It's not. Is it Games Master? The Grandmaster. The Grandmaster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's he's not Doctor Ian Malcolm, but he's still Jeff Goldblum enough that he gives <laughs> yeah. it that edge. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like get, uh, the Grandmaster with a twist of Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's the I, I I like his approach to the way he plays the characters. You know, like you put. De- De Niro in that role, it'll be completely different, you know? So I, 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 I like that edge that he brought to it because I think it both set the tone of the movie and those scenes, but also um, matched the tone really well with what yes. they were putting together. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. overall, no, he, as a... He perfectly as fit a into the movie. No, yeah. you won't get any any arguments from me there. Yeah, so that that was really cool. And I mean, Kate Blanchett as well, the... the Thing that I had a problem was is it kind of it, those two because they were in different parts of the of like the 
the solar system or the universe, I guess. And they kind of felt disconnected because the movie felt like it was like a lots of short stories that all fit together to create that larger story. And that kind of like, I would have, ha- I would have liked to have seen more of a coherent story, but at the same time, like just watching what it was, was kind of, was a lot of fun. What it didn't give me was a sense of gravity because it was also, you know, it was also disconnected. I think the motivation of the bad, of the villain, villainess, uh, Kate Blanchett's villainess was a little bit two dimensional, but I think with a lot of these movies these days, and I think Justice League has a very similar challenge, is they're trying to do so much and show so much, introduce new characters, show different worlds and different places, that they don't have a lot of time to actually develop a compelling villain either. You know, So the villain always comes across as like two-dimensional and just like, oh, I'm just an agent of destruction. You have to stop me. That's pretty much it. In this case, it was especially disappointing because she literally just shows up it's just odin says she's coming peace out <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then she's here and there, there there's no explanation to how she got to to that point because yeah. she yeah that that's that's what bothered me also because Kate yeah. <laughs> blanchett takes it to town with with this she she chooses scenery in that case but the body language and and everything is great oh and the f- she's got this fight scene yeah which was yeah. like great But at the same time, too short. Like, yeah. that was my other complaint about the movie, was that I think the action sequences were were too short and they were generally over too quickly. Yeah. I want to see I want to see Hela kicking more more ass. You know, that was that was a great fight scene. And it's kind of like that scene in the first Kingsman movie with Colin Firth as well. Like, just... Yeah, in the church, you know, these, the one. Yeah, this is the, having a really epic fight scene with a character or, or, or an actor or actress that you would not have expected to see it from. It just would have been so awesome. But, um... Yeah, it was overall though. It was a really enjoyable experience. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, good. You know, the best Thor movie was the was the last one, but hopefully, it's not the last one. <laughs> is there any news in that? Is there going to be a fourth Thor? Or is that because it's not? There's nothing in the pipeline currently, is there? No. The next thing is Infinity War, where we get yeah. to see more more of Thor. More Thor more in Thor. Infinity War, yeah. But no, uh, <laughs> no Warriors Free. That's that's another big complaint. The Warriors Free. Well, well, spoiler warning. Yeah, but <laughs> unceremoniously, you know. I think Ray Winston has like one reaction shot, and that's it. <laughs> and then yeah. he moves on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but at the same time, I almost feel like the Warriors Three didn't make much of an impact in the last two movies either. And so, like, the only time I really enjoyed the Warriors Three being around is when it was in the first Thor movie when they're walking down the street and then like one of the one of the shield agents says uh like we've got like <laughs> he says something like we've got something something and Robin Hood walking down the street right now <laughs> that was the last time that they actually made an made an impression on me because every other time like even in the dark world I don't even yeah, remember what they did. yeah only Sif has some something to do in the dark world and that's something I'm looking forward to because Sif must have been doing something <laughs> while while the whole Ragnarok thing went while on. it was all happening, yeah. So I think Sif was underserved as well, Absolutely. like as a character. In the, I mean, she showed up in Agents movie. of Shield a few times, I think, but really they really didn't give her anything much to do. Yeah. Overall, it'll be cool if they actually like did like a Sif style movie, uh, which they're never going to do. But no. you know, bring the no. character in and give yeah, her more to do. At least would have been fun, especially with that ending because they're mirroring the. Was it Jay Michael Straczynski or the Matt Fraction arc? Mm-hmm. 
where the Oscardians are thrust into adopting a new perspective on life. Um, right. Because <laughs> they have to resettle, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in, in the comics, they resettle on Earth. They, yeah, uh, um, in Texas. Yeah. It, yeah. That was, uh, I think it was one of the... the was it Texas? Other, otherwise Oklahoma or something. Oklahoma? I thought it was Texas. Yeah. Okay. Wherever. Anyway. They come yeah. to, the, to the US and the similarities of the, of the cultures um, was something that really struck me when it was done in the, in the comic books. Like the, 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 the working class people in the in the village uh and the and the asgardian and village. the asgardians yeah no 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 the uh, the the, uh, the, oh, the human town okay rather yeah. and the asgardians interacting with them and finding finding common ground oh cool that's an interesting uh that would be an interesting story <laughs> that's almost feels like a tv show by itself like just by itself you know that could be like you know these two towns next to each other, one with Asgardians, one with humans, and just the interactions between them. There'd be the love story between an Asgardian and a human. You know, it, it writes itself, really. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> Family drama. It sounds like an ABC show. <laughs> All right. So that was Thor Ragnarok. I think highly recommended from my side. Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen I it. I recommend then, it too. Um, um, yeah. It's, it's a good movie. I don't want to sound too negative. It's good and entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it gives you... It's a, it's yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun romp through the galaxy, and it's definitely like visually, visually awesome as well. Something so, else, yeah. When then you know, pivoting now to Justice League. So, I guess I'm the only one who's seen this one. Yep. So. Please, please enlighten me because you know people <laughs> so it's, say, oh, it's good, but no. Nah. Yeah, and it's 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 definitely that. That's exactly. <laughs> there is no. This is like it's almost like a, an unreviewable movie because. What do you review it as? And that's the ultimate question. I, I, I think there was a Verge. Uh, th- there was an article that I read somewhere that called it a Franken movie because it's it's just this hobbled together movie, and so it exists on like it like ticks all the boxes for everything. It's almost like it's it's a Zack Snyder movie, but it was finished by Joss Whedon. You know, <laughs> yeah. it was a story that came out of Batman v Superman and a vision for the DC universe that looked one way. So it was dour, it was serious, but it was in development just, or, you know, it started filming, I guess, just as Wonder Woman came out. And um, that had such a massive influence on what the movie ended up being, I think, in terms of its tone, in terms of introducing more jokes, uh, in you know, in, in terms of making Wonder Woman a more prominent character in some ways. And so it's, you can see like this and then, oh, okay. So that's, so <laughs> I'll take a step back. Um, I'll slow down my thoughts. So it's got like, you can see elements of all of those things in it. It's got bits where you're like, it's super serious. It takes itself super seriously. Then it's got bits immediately after that where like Aquaman's cracking a joke like a frat boy, you know? Cause they're like, oh, we need to make it funnier. And then it's got jokes where, Oh, then it's got scenes that are like got that um, Zack Snyder esque uh, high concept kind of like God is Superman, Superman is God kind of thing, followed by like Bruce Wayne saying, "What's your what's your secret power or your superpower?" It's just like I'm rich. Like it goes from like you know really heady kind of like oh that could almost be philosophical to like oh yeah that's just banal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's across the board. The acting as well. I think they started all all of the rehearsals and they started filming with all the characters being in one way 
So being serious and taking themselves super, super seriously. But then halfway through, they're like, oh, we should make everyone more funnier. And so there's all these jokes. It's, it's wildly watchable, but wildly enjoyable because you, you don't have time to stop and think about any of these things because the pace of the story moves so fast. Right. So I think Warner Brothers wanted the movie to be less than two hours. So they had to. So it's it's a short movie. And so things move really fast. They have to introduce Flash, Cyborg, Aquaman, talk about what's been happening with Diana for the last hundred years, where Bruce, you know, what Bruce Wayne is up to, uh, introduce Steppenwolf, go around the world because they're showing you Atlantis. they're, They're showing you Themyscira. And. You don't have time to stop and think about any of the weirdness that's happening in the movie because the next thing's already happening. (laughs) And then there's like, it's a global scale as well. It's not just like the Justice League's happening in Gotham and Metropolis. It goes around the world. There's like stuff happening in Russia. There's stuff happening in other parts of the world. And then you've got Atlantis and Themyscira as well. And so you're constantly like shuttled around the place with this movie. It's a thrill ride, really. But at the end of it, it's like a roller coaster. And at the end, you're like, you know, I feel a little bit sick. Well, that was pretty fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know how to review it that way. Like the best I can say is uh, 50-50 in the sense of it's not, it's much better on first watching than Batman v Superman. It doesn't take itself as seriously and it's not as slow because it's trying to be philosophical or serious. And yet some of those elements are in there. And at the same time, it's funnier, it's more lighthearted, and it's a bit, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a bit more enjoyable, but not as good as Thor Ragnarok in terms of um, how that was in terms of visual style and tone and, like, just the feeling that it leaves you with after the movie. It's funny, when I, I watched it on opening night here, and so there were clearly, you know, mainly a lot of DC fans or, you know, fans of the comic in there. And they wanted to clap when certain things happened. Uh, again, not giving away any spoilers. They wanted to clap, but they were also like, uh, like it didn't wasn't exactly as awesome as it should have been. And the movie didn't give you any time to really appreciate. Like you know, like when you know you have the hero shot when the hero you know like when I'll I'll use an Iron Man type of reference when Iron Man you know there's that scene in the Avengers where they do that pan shot as all the Avengers come together really for the first time in the middle of the Battle of New, New, New York and the camera does that circular pan around them and they're all like moving into position. So it's like they're all in motion, but it looks like they're still. So like Iron Man's like descending from the sky, Black Widow is re-reloading her gun, Hawkeye's reloading his bow and like the camera pans around them and it gives you this hero shot of like, oh man, the Avengers are together and everyone can cheer and like appreciate it. This movie doesn't give you that space, you know, like stuff happens and then you're like, well, should I clap now? Or is there going to be another thing where I can clap later? You know? <laughs> because it's already moved on to the next thing. And you're like, oh, I missed the moment to clap, you know, because <laughs> people like one or two people would clap and that normally would start everyone else. But yep. then the scene would be over and everyone's like, oh, just this one dude clap by himself. You know, <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know. It was, it was funny to watch. It feels more <laughs> like know. an art installation than than a, a, a movie. Yeah. <laughs> the, way it, it, the way you talk it, about it. It's fascinating. Like, some people are going to watch it as a film. It's not a film. It's like, it's it's another thing, you know? It's the Franken movie. It's like, there was another article that talked about, it, uh, I think it was the same Franken movie, um, 
review or whatever that said it's kind of like what would happen if the internet got to make if if Tumblr got to make the movie because everybody wants something different and so the end product has all of those things yeah but, but none of them actually coalesce completely you know? so you know i think it's definitely worth watching just go into it with the right expectations because the vision is i don't know it's it's a franken vision of whatever it's supposed to be I'll, I'll 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 give it fifty percent. Like I think the Rotten Tomato score when I last looked at it was in the low forties. Yeah, high, something like, like that. It was forty. It wasn't. Yeah, I think you know I think that's a little bit harsh, but only a little bit. I'd give it like fifty percent. I'd say it's from a from a movie point of view. Like if you're a critic, yeah, it's not it's not a great movie. But if you're a fan of the universe and if you're a fan of these types of movies, it's definitely something you should watch. So again, you know, I think that's I have the whole, to watch it now. It's good, but you know, it's that it's it's that. And then like some of the jokes that they put in to try to make it funny aren't even like, you know, they aren't even that funny. A, a, a lot of the jokes don't land, and you just have to, they're just kind of cringeworthy. But at the same time, before you have a chance to cringe, it's already moved on. Like it's, a lot of you know, a lot of the best jokes are in the trailers already. So you've already seen like a lot of the the, the best jokes. And then on the other, on the flip side, it's like the characters. I think Cyborg was the least interesting character when I was going into the movie, mm-hmm. but was the most interesting character in the movie. Really? From, from the new set of characters. I think Aquaman had tonal issues and the Flash, compared to the TV show, we, you know, I read some Flash comics and the Barry Allen in the TV show to me was closer to the Barry Allen that I know from the comics. And even like the... Get the animated movies. Ezra Miller's version of the Flash is a different take on that character, and I almost I'm not convinced by it. So I'd give I'd give him one more movie in like the Flash origin movie to see how that how how they can create that character. But but Grant Gustin's Flash from the TV series, especially the first couple of seasons, was more the Flash that I like. You know, yeah. kind of closer to the Flash that this because of, I mean Barry Allen's a smart guy. You know, he's a he's a scientist, he's a detective type of guy. This Barry Allen came across as t- too much of a social misfit to suit what I was expecting. So, but again, you know, interpretation because they because it's almost like well we need a social misfit on the team, so let's make it the Flash. You know, and so that's they could have used um Wally West or Bart Allen or who, whomever. It's not like we have only like, one flesh. <laughs> well, and again, it's kind of like, yeah, whether they call, whether it was Wally West or Bart Allen or Barry Allen, nobody, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have known the difference. <laughs> so they might as well have used a more appropriate persona for that character. Yeah. But anyway, that that's my Justice League review. Any questions? <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that Cyborg worked because he really got me uh, worried I thought they'd, they'd uh, double down on Aquaman and and, yeah. and the Flash, uh, and keep keep Cyborg by by the sidelines. It's good to hear that he got more to do, especially given that the effects in the trailer didn't look that great. Yeah, I you know I that didn't annoy me to any extent because there's something else in the movie that annoys much more, and I'm not going to note it. I'm not going to mention it um, in terms of visual effect. I'm not going to mention it until after you've seen the movie, so I don't bias you towards it. But Cyborg worked. He's very different from the Cyborg that's from Teen, teen Titans. So 
the Teen Titans cyborg is a is a is a is a jokester. You know, it's a it, he's a very comedic character. He doesn't have any of that here. So he's he's very he's like after Batman, he's probably the most serious character in this in this in the in the movie. But it works because, and it's almost like a lot of his jokes were probably written by Joss Whedon because they come across as Whedon-esque jokes. A lot of the other jokes come across as frat house jokes. They're this very like broy type humor, and so you know which are the Zack Snyder jokes, you know. And so, I, yeah, cyborg, cyborg to me worked, and so I'm very much interested in um, how how that how, you know how his story progresses going forward. And uh, Wonder Woman, how is her sudden rise to fame? Uh, um, yeah, like it, it dealt with in the movie. I I don't know whether they gave her more scenes initially. I think this. I think overall, a lot of the characters pretty much get equal time. Like I, I, I didn't feel that one character overshadowed another, and I didn't feel that Wonder Woman became any any more prominent. Maybe she was sidelined originally, and now she's got more scenes, and so it's equalized across the board. But there's still an inconsistency overall with the story. Like Wonder Woman's been around for a hundred years, honing her powers. She appeared as a god at the end of her own movie. Because I mean, she's she's effectively the daughter of Zeus, right? But her power set still seems a little bit underpowered for what she's able to do. Like, can she fly? Like, it's it's indeterminate <laughs> with what she can and can't do. Still, Superman is you know, in terms of power set between Superman and Wonder Woman, we still you know, it's not clear. In the comics, is it is it more? Because she's a she's not at his level. He's still like the big gun, isn't he? He, <clears throat> sorry, he is, but you know it's uh, with with Wonder Woman. It's like with the Flash. <clears throat> how how fast is the Flash? Who's faster, you know, yeah. uh, as fast as the plot demands it. No, yeah, and it's the same. It's, <laughs> True, exactly. <laughs> I feel it's the yeah. same with with Wonder Woman in the comics. She has fixed powers, but they 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 shrink and and grow with demand as required. And I think it's the same here. Like. They do explore a little bit what she's been doing for the last hundred years, and it's not so much an exploration rather than a discussion, I guess. But um, it's interesting to me because I would have liked to have seen her progress, power set wise, between the different movies and the different time periods. But um, I mean, because yeah, we saw her against Doomsday in Batman v Superman, yeah, and now we see her here against um, Steppenwolf, so it feels linear. Whereas I would have liked, I would have liked a little bit more progression. And that's the thing; it's like you raise the stakes. And so there was another, like uh, Steppenwolf from a CGI point of view comes across as another like kind of indeterminate gray CGI character, which is what Doomsday was as well. And it feels linear. I would have liked there to have been a step change in a step change in what brought the Justice League together compared to what the three of them could have handled on on their own. But so. I don't understand because, as we talked talked in Thor Ragnarok, that was a a a Kirby fest. Everywhere you looked, there were designs, and 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 it worked. And I don't know, I don't know why DC doesn't go this route and say, okay, we. I mean, Steppenwolf has a very or every every 
uh, one of Dark Seed's um, generals and minions has a very distinct look about themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and Steppenwolf in his original form might have not been appropriate to put into a live-action version, but at least take the cues from from there, put some... Put him in something more elaborate. I not only know the design from the from the action figure, and that yeah. looks like uh, a beefed up uh, parademon, and not like uh, some some important character in the in the military. Yeah, that's going I to mean, crush this world. I, I think it was a design issue. I think it was also just the motion capture that they did and the animation around that motion capture. It wasn't as believable or even as like seamless as you would have in something like the planet of the apes movies, you know, where Caesar Caesar comes across as an actual, like you would, it's there. It's like a monkey and it's, it's super convincing. Steppenwolf felt a little bit cut cartoony. So I was a little bit disappointed at how that was actually executed at the end. Um, Cause even like, I, I don't know, like maybe even in star Wars, when you had that uncanny Valley type situation with um, in rogue one with, um, with Tarkin and Leia, it's still, you know, if you didn't know, a lot of people kind of just thought that it's, those characters are looked, there was something about, odd about them, but they couldn't quite place it yeah. if, they, if they didn't know that they were completely CGI. Whereas here, Steppenwolf comes across as a CGI insert in the movie. So it's almost like, eh, you could have done that a little bit better, guys. Speaking of the Uncanny Valley, did you notice Henry Cavalier's uh, moustache? That was the thing I was trying not to mention. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not gonna. Yeah, um, I, I I want you to go and see okay. that and see what you think about it. Okay, because my brother told me that something was off with his face, and he thought it was a like in in um the second Star Wars movie, uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, the se- uh, the the fifth, where Mark Hamill had his motorcycle accident, and that's why he. His his face looks a bit uh, bloated because he was still recovering from the wounds, and he thought that Henry Cavill had an an accident, and they just they yeah. removed scars <laughs> via CGI. And I told him no, they removed his whole mustache he had grown for another yes. movie he was shooting at the time. <laughs> really, <laughs> it was super distracting because once you notice it you can't not notice it and then that's all you think about so any acting that henry cavill did is completely pointless because no one's watching anything else they're just <laughs> focusing uh and because it's it's yeah oh my god but why? that was that was, yeah <laughs> why didn't they explain it because um everybody thought that he'd come back in the black suit and perhaps with a mullet like he did in the comics after superman sh- was killed yeah. and they should have just said yeah well uh kryptonians grow a mustache when, when they die and go into regeneration it would have <laughs> been a lot yeah it would have been a lot better if they'd given him facial hair i mean like because that was in man of steel right he had facial hair in, in man of steel yeah he's been double, but <laughs> you know yeah, but at the same time, that would have been a lot more uh, organic than what we have on screen right now. Because it, and I, it, they, they said they only he only had the the mustache for reshoots. Yeah, but not for the original not filming. For the original filming, yeah. Because it felt to me like every scene he was in must have been a reshoot scene then, because it was that that was there the whole every scene he's in. And so it was really distracting. <laughs> I, I went with some other people. I didn't ask them about that specifically yet. 
I really should just to see. But but yeah, and like the the first the the first scene has Superman in it, and you're like, uh, is that Henry Cavill? Like like the very that's what that's what introduces you to this movie, and you're and and so it kind of like throws you, it throws you off offside like for, for the first uh, the you know the opening of the movie after the Warner Brothers logo and the DC logo it's that and you're like oh wait who what what is this now like. It's interesting. They should have kept it. It would be. It must have been amazing. Does he? Does he turn around uh, to the camera or something like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's, there's like three sixty shots of his face and head and him turning. And so, like, it's again, it's as a you know the as an achievement in what they did. It's impressive and yet so completely unnecessary. <laughs> But it would have been amazing. Just just let him keep the mustache. Throw throw off people. Throw people off their game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why there was a need for Superman to... I mean, all right. So he's obviously in the movie. So that's been spoiled at this point. Yeah, everybody But knows that. Everyone knew he was going to come back from the dead because he's been in all of the press interviews and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But um, there was no need to have him come back cleanly shaved, right? So he could have... You know, I think people would have accepted if he had facial hair. Yes. Because clearly Kryptonians don't die. I mean, I don't know. So anyway, the manner in which he comes back as well is interesting. So it's also watch watch for how that comes to be because it's different. Oh, nice. Okay. So yeah, and I have one last question. Mm -hmm. Did you like the boom tube sounds? I did, but I almost didn't like the boom tube visuals. Okay. It was, it was, it was done well. I thought the the boom tubes were 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 cool. They, they were cool, but they were almost like, wait, how does that work? <laughs> my, my, my favorite transportation device of that t type, uh, like you've got the the beaming tech technology on Star Trek, which is fun. Uh, you've got the boom tubes now, which is, is obviously this massive tube. And then you've got um, the, the seven rings from Stargate. I don't know if you... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the seven rings are my favorite style of point-to-point uh, -point transport, if you will. Uh, I just think they the sound the way they come down uh, just looks so cool. Yeah, that's my uh, that's that's a random side comment. But yeah, it's just you know that's my my thing. Boom tubes since um, yeah the Justice League TV show because I think that's the the perfect boom tube for, for me. Yeah, I mean I'm used to the boom tubes from the Young Justice TV show where it would also oh, yeah. announce who's coming through. Yeah. You know, because I thought that that was fun. Like you always know who's at the door, kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Boomtube would open. It was a, it it was effectively like a Stargate. Like that's what it looked like. Um, and then like it, and then the computer would say like, uh, incoming. You know, yeah, a, the the designation A zero two Batman. <laughs> It's a great way to announce your presence in a room. You know, so I, the the boom tubes here are um, quite serviceable. I thought that yeah, they they were they were quite cool. It didn't um didn't blow my mind, uh, but it was good. Neat, good to hear. <laughs> um, and on the flip side, I mean, being new, being out of the new gods universe and stuff, there wasn't a whole lot of Kirby influence that I saw. But maybe you will see more. So that was a little bit disappointing. I just but, heard uh, that Darkseid gets mentioned, and not, nothing more. That was my. Do you want me to tell you? My brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your brother just gave you everything, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's. I I I'm 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 still remembering when he basically did an interpretive dance when he told me about Batman versus Superman. <laughs> he acted out the whole movie. 
<laughs> for like 45 minutes oh, really? <laughs> in wow. his review. So, I should have filmed it. It's a masterpiece. It's a movie in itself. <laughs> the retelling, yeah. Yeah, it's like um, um, James Franco did this movie, this making off thing, The Room, the disaster artist about oh, yes, The Room. Yes. And that'll be my brother. My brother's the disaster artist for Batman v Superman. Yeah, the disaster artist part two. Part two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to the whole thing I was saying about escalation when it comes to um, Steppenwolf and Darkseid. Because one of the things I was looking to see or expecting from this movie, one of my expectations going in was, um, is Steppenwolf just a precursor villain or is he uh, is he the villain of the show? So, I mean, he's the the main villain at this stage, but there is a door that opens into the larger context of where, where and why Steppenwolf is coming. So how that was treated was a little bit not as convincing as I would have liked it to have been. Like I think Marvel did a lot better in foreshadowing Thanos, you know, whereas Darkseid still is a little bit more of a idea that nobody's really paying attention to compared to the fact that, there is an actual physical being that has his eyes set on Earth right now. The, the, the danger is not clear enough. And it's sad to hear. Yeah. Because with all the, the grandeur and, and, and the madness that you've been describing, the, the nonstop thrill, right? It should have been made clear that there are bigger things on the, on the horizon for, yeah. for this universe. And so, I, I mean, yeah. Um, I, I was... I was hoping, but it, it seems like DC's really only doing one one story point at a time, <laughs> and then they're it's it's almost like constantly adjusting what they're doing as well to make sure that the next one improves upon the previous one. So we'll see. I mean, um, I'm excited for Aquaman, The Flash, and for Cyborg movies now, but I think only Aquaman and um, The Flash are being foreshadowed, yeah. or, or like are in the pipeline. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the Cyborg movie was supposed to be like 2020 or something. and We haven't heard anything since then. But Cyborg's, I, you know, I was scared about Cyborg, but he came across as pretty, pretty cool. And overall, I think, you know, the, the this franchise still has legs, but it's more about, it's not a critically acclaimed franchise, clearly, you know, and it's more about them just executing that that vision that they have and trying to improve it or change it based on how the previous movie went each time which is you know it's a way of making movies i guess yeah i just hope to get to get it together we mentioned it in every episode we hope that dc can develop a, a movie factory like marvel did yeah well hope hope as superman superman's logo says is always there all right cool so that's our two big Media reviews. Were there anything else that you wanted to mention from a uh, review point of view? Review point of view. Have you seen Stranger Things season two? Yes, I did, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah, not as good as season one, but no, there was there was one weak episode. I thought the Chicago episode. Yeah. <laughs> Living in Chicago now, it's kind of like, um, wait, where are they? So that was super <laughs> distracting. First of all. Yeah. Um, if you know Chicago, it's a um, it's a city on the lake of Lake Michigan, which is a huge lake. Um, and a lot of the backgrounds that that episode had was the point was taken f- like the city skyline that they had in the background of a lot of scenes in that in that one episode was the skyline as seen from the lake. Like if you were on a boat in the lake, 
And so every time they showed like a warehouse and then the city behind it, it would be the, the city as seen from the lake. So you'd be like, is that warehouse in the lake? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they should have just, they, they clearly didn't film in Chicago. They just had one shot of the skyline and they just green screened it. And it, it, it was very distracting. And um, aside from that, though, the rest of the season I thought was really good. Yeah. I was really impressed by Will, the, uh, the, the, the kid playing Will, who was... Um, the abducted kid from season one. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the abducted kid. He was, because he, I guess, didn't have too much of screen time in season one, but yep. he was brilliant in season two. Like, he's, he was super con convincing with everything that he was going through. Yeah. It was good to see uh, Sean Astin. Oh, man. Yes, I really... Again, no, no spoilers, but it was good to see Sean Astin. And he was, again, like I got all those Samwise Gamgee vibes from him as well. I was like, so, you know, like, what's his name? Bob? He's, he's, yeah, Bob. His name was Bob. It's like, Bob, you're just such a nice guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, he was good. I mean, the rest of it was kind of like path, of course. One of the things I was watching when it came to Stranger Things season two was, you know, in a post-it world, it, the Stephen King uh, story that's just been recent, recently made into a movie as well, was R-rated. And the kids there did a great job as well. Um, and Stranger Things 2 was having to contend with the fact that it really pushed the envelope when it came to what you can do in a story like that. Yeah. Stranger Things still stayed in its, in its space that it existed in in season one. I didn't feel that it really, um, it really pushed the limits of what it was willing to do with the story and where it was like in terms of the danger and the urgency of what was happening. Yeah, the, the danger and the urgency, it's... Uh The, the the new foil guy mm -hmm. uh, the Max what was the girl's name and her brother oh yes yeah it's an, an over the top character and kind of distracting but you know uh, at some points in the show he felt more threatening than any demogorgon <laughs> ever ever could yeah yeah that, that, that was an interesting one like it almost gave me that that vibe as well like you know I wanted to see what kind of justice was going to be served to yeah. him in the course of this, but, but, but you know. yeah, <laughs> perhaps he turns into a werewolf because the, the, the references to teen wolf. Oh, you mean with like with the basketball? <laughs> yeah. I really thought that. And in the next moment, he's going to turn into a werewolf and then lay waste to the school or something. Like. <laughs> yeah. And that's the, that's the original teen wolf from like the 1980s. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not the, not the, the, not the new Fox. TV show with, uh, teen wolf, with, sorry. Um, with Dylan O'Brien and, yeah. uh, Tyler Posey. Yeah. My, uh, my guilt pleasure show. That was my guilt pleasure show. It's <laughs> over now. <laughs> oh, it's gonna find a new show. Oh, it's over. It's finished as an ending for that season. It was satisfying, but I'm gonna, it's like, it's like eating uh, a really sweet dessert watching that show. Like, you know, it's bad for you. Yeah. But nothing, nothing makes sense, but it's so good. You know, it's so enjoyable. I'm sad. I'm sad for you. It's fantastic. Like Teen Wolf did such a good job at like that horror genre when it came to having a sense of like, because they, they go through like obviously the, the werewolves and all the beasts. There's the insane asylum. All of them were in the school together. That New Mutants to me, going back to, to the New Mutants discussion we were having, just feels super awkward and contrived. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Teen Wolf is better than New Mutants so far. So that's all I'm saying. Probably, probably ruined any credibility I had with giving these reviews at this stage. It puts your, your thoughts on your mutants in a completely different <laughs> new light. In a different way. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, look. We, I mean, Legion, yes. 
Teen Wolf, yes. New Mutants, meh. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. I've got a lot of range in my taste. Um, all right, cool. So <laughs> that was... Uh, what were we talking about? That was Stranger Things. Stranger Things. That was Stranger Things. Uh, you know, really good. I watched Neo Yokio. I thought... Yeah, have you seen that? So Neo Yokio is a Netflix I, I anime American show. What what'd you think of that? I, oh God, I couldn't, I couldn't get through 10 minutes of the show. I think the voice work is not abysmal, but it's bad. I, yeah. I don't... It, it feels it's, like if Tumblr made a TV show. You know what? You know, yeah... I, I, I can see why you would say that. I, can, I You know, the voice work is also very specific, to, I think, to the type of show they were making. Yeah. And the show they made is almost unlike anything else. It's, all, it, yeah, it's, it's, unlike, uh, it's, it's unlike a lot of things. But what it is like, which I liked about it, was it's kind of like a Brett, a Brett Eston Ellis story from okay. like, um, if you've read the books like Less Than Zero, which is about like, like teenagers growing up in LA less than zero was about teenagers growing up in LA in the eighties. And it's like drug use parties, living that high flying lifestyle as teenagers with not really understanding the repercussions of what's going on. Cause it's the self-contained world. Right. And so this is almost like uh, something like less than zero mixed in with like anime tropes yeah. and set on the upper East side in New New York. So you've got these, this rich class-based system in Neo Yokio, which is the city, which is this Asian slash American city with these anime themes about like, you know, fighting demons and stuff, but they've still got all of the like class-based drama about like our family versus the, versus the other family and like status and all that sort of stuff compounded by the fact that there's this bachelor board in Times Square, you know, like I thought, and then like that high flying lifestyle as well. And like, the, the the class war, which that almost implies, gets played out in Neo Yokio. I found it really enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll give it a second viewing then. It's so- I think you don't watch it, you know, on its own merits, it is so weird. Yeah. That, you know, it's almost like, I don't know, like on its own merits, it's so weird that unless you immediately take to it, you won't enjoy it. Because it is, it's almost sickening in the way it's put together. But I think what really made it work for me was like going back and reviewing like Less Than Zero, which I read when I was like in high school. Because um, it's that kind of like the main character is just so, uh, <laughs> you know, it's such a weird main character. He's like obsessed over this girl. His heart's broken, you know, but he has to go out and fight demons because his grandmother says so, because that's what their family does. And they're going to lose social standing if he doesn't, you know. But then there's like the super rich kid who's like, doesn't have to fight demons because his family is just rich. They're like old money, you know, <laughs> but then he has to attend all of these social events. And it's like, why don't you just let me brood in peace? You know, <laughs> I, I, I liked it. it was okay. Uh, perhaps I have to give it, you know, I suffered through Inhumans. Near, oh yeah. There should be a, a day at the park. Yeah. <laughs> compared to that. Oh yeah. And it's only, it's short. It's only like, I don't know, six to eight episodes or something. I don't think it's super long because oh, I watched okay. it mainly on the plane. So I, I, I did, you know, when I was, I can't remember, I was flying. Uh, I, was com- I was flying somewhere uh, and I watched it on the plane. Um, it, was, it was cool because you can download your Netflix. Yeah, 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 so. to, to, to the device. So, yeah. Okay. Then. And then, um, so yeah, that, that was near New York. Blade Runner as well is something I watched recently. That was good. Uh, the Blade Runner 2049. Or really? 20, yeah. Okay. It was good in the sense that it's a very different movie from what, you know, we, we talked about 
Thor and Justice League, which are these super fast-paced thrill rides. Blade Runner was visually really cool, really took its time with the story, and really got to, you know, it's like the original movie in terms of the pacing, laying out, spends a lot of time with, like, Ryan Gosling, like, just looking out the window, thinking quiet thoughts to himself. You know, it's that, that kind of vibe. But as a movie to watch, just to see the visuals, see the world they created, and if you like living in that world, it's really good. I haven't seen it yet, but... You know, my, my my brother told me that it all comes down to babies at the end. And he thought that was very... Is that why you're you're hesitant to go watch it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't need yeah. any more baby storylines. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't need movies that make me cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting theme to what's going on in that movie. Uh, what it does do is progress the story, though. Okay. Uh, it progresses the story about the replicants, which is good. I'm really looking. I'm, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but I haven't heard any good things about it. You're the first person in my social circle uh, to give his review a positive vibe. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember what the critical response to it was, but it's definitely it's definitely a film. It's definitely you know, it's not a movie which is just like a popcorn throwaway flick. This is a film that you can sit down with, whether or not it's actually a good film. You know, yeah. it's still up to debate, but it's definitely something you can sit down with and think about. So. Something else. <laughs> yeah, I, I would, you know, it's a, it's a great when it's, when it's like a bad rainy weather yeah. and you've got a couple hours to stay at home. You can't go wrong with Blade Runner 2049. And then the other thing that I saw was Atomic Blonde. Which oh, was, you watched it? Yeah, I watched it. It was, it, it was great to see a movie set in like 1989 around the fall of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. The action sequences were fantastic. Like some of the best, they're the most brutal fight sequences i've seen in a long time like it you physically feel pain when you watch the action <laughs> like it's a pretty brutal fight sequences and Charlize Theron like uh as a character i can't remember the character's name but she takes damage in this movie in through these fight scenes like it's not like a james bond-esque fight scene where like, yeah he comes out unscathed yeah like she takes damage and it's like it's painful to watch it's very gritty But then there's the musical choice being set in 1989 is fantastic. There is one fight that happens to um, George Michael's father figure playing in the background. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Oh, it was fantastic. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, again, great, great DVD movie for, or, or Blu-ray movie for when you're, when you're at home and you've got a couple hours. And that's, I think that brings us up to date with all the stuff that I watched. I forgot to ask, have you uh, finished or seen Discovery? Uh, Star Trek I haven't Discovery finished. Series? Okay. I'm still at like episode three. Okay, I now we have... watched past that. At some point, we have to do a separate episode perhaps about that because I really want to pick your brain about it. Okay, so wh what are you up to now? I've, uh, I've watched all the episodes. I catched up on it uh, yesterday. Oh, is the season finished then? Yeah, it's a mid-season break now. Okay. Uh, until oh, because Yeah. January 7th or something like that. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, because we're going into Thanksgiving and the holiday season, yeah. I guess. So, Okay, cool. I'll get a chance to catch up. Yeah, uh, that's all I, I'm, I'll be saying now because... Okay, hold on. Are we talking inhuman style that you want to pick my brain or... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Are you going to send me into the, into the hole of bad TV or no? <laughs> no, no, no. A Discovery is by no means a, a bad TV show. I won't go as far as... But, as but, uh, but it makes interesting choices, is what you're saying. Yes. Um, okay. It's, again, if 
if Tumblr made it a TV show. It's such an an interesting thing, and I'm not sure if I like it or I don't like it. I'm very ambiguous about that fact. Oh. Yeah, but I have thoughts. So many okay. thoughts. Well, if they continue to have good... Because one thing that stood out to me in the first two episodes, the third episode I was a little bit disappointed with, and I haven't picked up again since then. Okay. But um, I really like the first two, which is what leads up to the situation that the, the, the lead character finds herself in. But visually, the show was looked awesome. So as long as it continues to do that, I guess it'll keep me going. <laughs> I'm very superficial that way. It looks beautiful. It's, it's presented in a, beautiful, in a beautiful manner. Yeah. No worries. No worries there are no complaints there. Yeah, because let me tell you, like I watched Transformers Five, the, the or the whatever the latest one is. Yeah, and it it's such a terrible movie, but the sound and the the visuals are so good that I continued watching the movie. <laughs> you know, it just looks so good. And that's every everybody uh, who has an interest in the Transformers movie says that they are the yeah. worst movies ever made, but they look and sound so good. Yeah, they just made so well. Like, I mean, you know, the production team's fantastic. I mean, the, the writing and the story's terrible, but the production is great. Again, losing any credibility I had is, is a review. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like how much, how many times can you just? Because it's all just like at some point it just becomes a cartoon because it's all animated. It's just big robots fighting big robots, and it's just crazy stuff happening. You know, it's. And the problem is the designs don't allow any, or oh, that's a big problem I have with the Transformers fil films, that I, at points in the movie, can't discern the, the, the robots from one another. Yeah. Because they're all just pieces of animate, they're all just big pieces of animated single pieces. Yeah. Like, that is, <laughs> everything's moving. Yeah, but, you know, I think they, this last one was a little bit better at that, because at least they gave the different robots, different color schemes. So you can kind of tell them apart. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. I still don't know what happened in that movie and what the point of it was. But uh, it was, you know, visually visually very, very good to look at. It's almost like Transformers is where you want to, like, earn your, your master's degree in computer animation and then you graduate and then you go make real movies. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, it's all just students just making this movie together. It's the Michael Bay Academy. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the final... Uh the final projects get projected at the cinema. Yeah. It's like, you know, when you call your, when you, when you make a student film and then you call your parents over to, and like everyone <laughs> yeah. to watch it, that's what it is. In this case, you call an, a worldwide audience over. Yeah. And I still laugh every time I see Chinese product placement inside one of those movies. Like it's so overt, it's so obvious. <laughs> yeah. I've heard about that because somebody, uh, Somebody saw it with a, a Chinese audience and asked me then if he missed any any references and stuff. And I knew from you that they do a lot of Chinese product placement that the people just laugh about. Oh yeah, every time the milk and, and stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there was there was there was one piece of Chinese product placement that I saw in Justice League as well, and I think it was it was very subtly done. Um, There weren't any specific Chinese characters in it because they used the English characters to say the name of the product, mm -hmm. which if you if you don't know the product, you probably wouldn't pick it up because it's 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 QQ. It's a Chinese chat app, so they just use the letters Q and Q QQ together. But there's a there's a poster in one of the scenes, and so yeah, it, that was subtly done. That was good because it doesn't stand out. Like in Transformers, yeah. you'll randomly see someone 
on the, one of the characters was on their mobile phone using a Chinese used car app or something, like searching for used cars with Chinese characters. And like, you're an American dude. What are you on a Chinese app for? You know, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, anyway, anyway, that, it's, it's hilarious. China is, um, is just generate. I think Transformers stays alive based on its Chinese box office. So, you know, again, China is such a massive force in the, the industry now. And it gets bigger and bigger. The whole the whole region gets bigger and bigger. Growing, in yeah. consuming entertainment. So, and I haven't seen the box office for Justice League yet. I mean, it's still opening weekend, right? So yeah, it hasn't but it really have... It performed worse than Batman vs. Superman did in his opening weekend. Yeah. And I've, I've heard today that the... Or I've read today that the uh, Warner Brothers of CEO that overlooked the project has already been interviewed. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. Really? Like, yeah. interviewed? Like, what do you mean interviewed? Like, exit interview? Or <laughs> They just called him into the office, perhaps because he gets a new coffee maker, but you know how, how this gets blown up. The speculation. By... Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just reading the box office mojo headline, and it's Justice League looking at 93 million plus opening, which is actually way below expectation. Yeah. I think they were projecting 120 million opening weekend. But if it's only 93, that's actually quite quite bad for a movie like this. Hmm. Yeah, but then we DVD sales and so on and so on. Perhaps it catches up. Well, it, yeah, eventually it will. And that's domestic. So domestic in America, you would want at least 100 million plus opening weekend for a movie like of this scale. You know, because they, they spent a lot of money to make it. Yeah. So if you, and you, the studio would only recoups that in the first two weekends effectively. And if yeah. they can't, then the movie runs at a loss. And they made like... Um, They've they've essentially filmed uh, two and a half movies, if you if you well, believe yeah. the chatter. Well, that's what they're saying is that they had to cut out again like another half an hour. So there's going to eventually be like an ultimate edition of this, which I mean the the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman to me works a lot better compared to the theatrical release, um, because it fills in a lot of those stupid gaps. I mean the big gaps are still there. Batman v Superman, like you know yeah. Batman's sudden change of heart. Because his mother's name is Martha. <laughs> it's like, what? I almost like the movie because of the broad strokes. You know, again, going to the analogy where the movie maker, where Zack Snyder's a painter, you can kind of, if you stand back, it's like a Monet, you know? Yeah. If you stand back, you can kind of see what, he's, what the picture is about how in that scene, Batman realizes Superman's humanity and he realizes... That, you know, I'm I'm potentially, you know, making a decision based on assumptions that are not true. But in the execution of the way that scene plays out, it's just so stupid. So I like to watch the movie from the broad strokes rather than the details of what actually happened. <laughs> so, you know, I'm doing my, my, my own um, editorializing on how I'm watching the movie. I guess that's the sanest version or the sanest way of uh, watching the movie. Well, yeah. And I think, yeah, especially a movie like this. And it, it, it actually... This movie tries to explain some of those things in, you know, in its own way as well. So there's a really cool line that Batman says in this movie explaining his relationship with Superman, which I which I used as validation for my for my thought on how the broad strokes play out in Batman v Superman, you know? So Yeah, again, no spoilers, because I'll let you go and experience that for yourself. But, you know, and then you can tell, tell me whether you think it actually makes sense. Or whether yeah, you'll get, like, you yeah, get a catch-up report on that. Yeah, okay, cool. So that's next episode on <laughs> Asteroids in Exile.
Oh, cool. All right, awesome. So we've pretty much done our agenda, I think. Yeah, we've... Ooh, the, con- the time constraints that we put upon ourselves were met. Cool. Done well. So now you can, you've can. you hopefully got enough time to make it to your dad's birthday party. Yes. <laughs> that was our limit for today. We had to get Martin out of the door in time. <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely make it. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Martin. It's been an awesome discussion, as usual. I have to thank you. I can only... And, uh, yeah. It was awesome. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was awesome. It was fun. English it does was... not compute anymore. <laughs> it does not. You need another coffee, I think. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and thank you for listening if you made it this far. So Yeah, you're, as always, you're great. And thanks to Ashley once again for, uh, for, the, for the question. We'll, uh, we'll be back hopefully in a couple of weeks. I don't know. We need to talk about whether we're going to do an end-of-year review show or whether, like, how we're going to close off the year. So yeah. we've got one more, one more episode maybe in, in the can. Well, not in the can, but in in the plan. In the plan, yeah. The plan can the can plan. So, <laughs> so thanks to everyone for the journey so far with season two, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye bye. He's the, it's like, again, to use a Batman reference, he's the asshole we deserve. (laughs) (laughs) The one we need, the one we deserve. Exactly. The asshole we we need, not the one we deserve. (laughs) No. Nif! Nif! Talk to me. You're all frozen up. <laughs>